Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, where every week we debunk the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding. Today, I am honored to have with me Dr. Ian M. Paul. Dr. Paul, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Let me tell all of you a little bit about Dr. Paul. He is a professor of pediatrics and public health sciences at Pennsylvania State University College of Medicine. He is also chief of the Division of Academic General Pediatrics and vice chair of faculty affairs in the Department of Pediatrics at Penn State Children's Hospital in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Dr. Paul is a general pediatrician and clinical and health services research with principal interests in two areas. First, the area of primary preventive interventions for newborns, infants, and families, and second, clinical therapeutics for children. His research focuses on two areas with the largest current NIH slash NIDDK funded projects, focusing on the prevention of childhood obesity through home-based interventions delivered to parents of infants. He has been funded for HRSA MCHB on projects related to newborn weight loss and breastfeeding, research that has generated, get this, the first ever nomograms depicting newborn weight loss for exclusively breastfed and exclusively formula-fed newborns during the birth hospitalization. Now, for any of you who want to check that out, here's the link. It's www.newbornweight.org. And this looks at weight uh, through the first month after birth. I actually pulled up that link before we went on the air. And I think you'll see that if you see it, you'll understand it a little bit better. Um, Dr. Paul is and has been a co-investigator on numerous other federally funded projects. This is most impressive. Dr. Paul has been a co-investigator on numerous, uh, excuse me, uh, on um, over 150 peer-reviewed scholarly contributions, including those that are published in the prestigious journals, New England Journal of Medicine, JAMA, Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, JAMA Pediatrics, Pediatrics, Obesity, Annals of Emergency Medicine, and Journal of Allergy and Clinical Immunology. I don't want you for one minute to think that this man is just a researcher who sits in an ivory tower thinking up things to do in a brainiac kind of way. He is also a clinician. He has a thriving general pediatric practice where he provides medical care for children from birth through age 21 years. He has been recognized several times for superior patient satisfaction. So as you can tell, Dr. Paul has plenty to share with us today. What caught my eye was that I was reading about this nomogram that he has come up with. And let me help you just a little bit in case the word nomogram is news to you. 
As related to the medical world, a nomogram is a graphic representation that consists of several lines marked off to scale and arranged in such a way that by using that straight edge to connect known values to two lines on an unknown value, you can read at the point of intersection with another line. So this, of course, is helpful for infants as related to newborn weight loss. Uh, Dr. Paul, ever since I have been a young nurse, it has been beaten into me that we really need to worry about jaundice and dehydration and weight loss during the first weeks of newborn life. So it seems to me that all of these situations are related, but you came up with this first ever nomogram depicting the weight loss for these uh, children, whether they are breastfed or bottle fed. So Help us to understand why this is helpful to the clinician as well as for the parent. Well, sure. You know, I, I think the same things were, were beaten into me during my, <laughs> my medical training as uh, happened yep. with you and your nursing training. And we were, were always so fearful of uh, babies losing too much weight uh, before they get breastfeeding established. Yes. And as, as my career has gone on and I, I've watched what happens to new mothers when they start hearing about their, their, baby's, their baby's weight loss and uh, they worry about their breastfeeding when, when their baby's losing weight, I realized that all of the information and, and data that we were sharing with them uh, was really based off of anecdote that there really wasn't evidence for what a normal amount of weight loss would be for the babies in the first couple of um, days after they were born and even throughout the whole first month. Um, so uh, I thought we could uh, uh, figure out a better way to, to help these babies and, and their moms. Well, it sounds to me like you have really accomplished that. Tell us a little bit about how it's used. For example, when I went to the link, I could plug in whether I was vaginal birth or cesarean birth, and I could plug in a, a weight for a baby, but I couldn't determine if I plug that data in about my own baby, can my pediatrician see that? How does that work? Well, yeah, well, the pediatricians can do this, can, can, um, uh, do the same thing with the same amount of data, and you can also, um, when you plug in the information, you can print uh, you can print it out in order to to share it if if that were the case. The website was really designed for health professionals to use, but there really isn't a reason why individual um, uh, parents can't can't use it. Um, but it, it really will help a. A, a clinician or a parent understand how their baby's weight is changing in those first couple of days compared with a large sample of 160,000 um, yeah. other babies. Um, and really, it, it's almost like a growth chart, except we know that babies lo- lose weight. They don't gain weight in the first couple of days. At least here in the U.S. Uh, but- right. Because that was run in California with uh, Kaiser Permanente, right? That's right. And and there have been, we validated it with uh, another sample of of babies. And uh, a colleague of mine has also uh, looked at this in um, a developing country and has found similar patterns of weight change even in in those uh, countries. Oh, that's hugely interesting. Okay. Um, So... 
the bottom line there is the parent and the provider would have to plug it in separately, but they would still see the same thing. They can discuss it or whatever. That's right. Yes. And, and in fact, many, uh, for the providers, many electronic medical records now um, are oh, programmed to I- upload the data onto the website directly. So it doesn't even require a manual entry anymore. Oh, fantastic. Okay. Yes. All right. So I caught from you a term that I had never seen, but I got a big charge out of it. I think I know what it means, but I think the whole world should know what it is and what it means. What is decaphobia, Dr. Paul? Sure. So many, uh, decaphobia means fear of the number 10. (laughs) And the reason that that's important in this case is that the traditional amount of weight loss that, that pediatricians or, or pediatric providers or um, maternity nurses would worry about is if a baby was had lost 10% of their weight from birth or more. And that would cause all sorts of alarm bells and uh, not real alarm bells, but alarm bells in the provider's minds that right. this baby needs, mm-hmm. needs to be supplemented with formula and can't uh, continue to exclusive breast, exclusively breastfeed. Okay, now I'm just dying to ask because, you know, some years ago, oh, who was it? I think it was Carolyn Chantry, Dr. Chantry, who did the study where she said that the newborn weight loss was related to the amount of IV infusion that the mother had had. Um, How does this align with what you found, if at all? Yeah, (laughs) excuse me. So, um, there, Dr. Chantry did have some data on that. That's it's um, certainly um, uh, people believe that women who, um, particularly deliver by cesarean section, get a lot of IV fluids before they deliver, right. and uh, um, and we we saw in our. Uh, uh, in our studies that we've, where we looked at vaginal and cesarean deliveries and how much weight that babies lose after they're born, that babies that were delivered by C-section do lose more weight and they lose it more rapidly, particularly in the first 12 hours after they're born than babies that are delivered vaginally. Okay. Whether this can be attributed just to extra water weight that was transferred from the mom to the baby while the baby was still inside of mom is unclear, but that's one possible reason why babies who are delivered by C-section lose more weight. Okay. So it's one of those things where it's a factor that is worth considering, worth remembering. It may or may not be the whole picture that we need to look at. Yeah, it's, I think it's, it's, it's probably um, a substantial part of that picture, but there's other reasons that babies with C-sections um, lose more weight, such as it, they don't uh, always breastfeed immediately after they're delivered, whereas in vaginal deliveries, they're more likely to do that. Mother yes. may be, uh, have uh, more pain medication uh, or and is healing from a, a, a surgery, so certain positions that she might breastfeed her baby may be more uncomfortable than a woman who delivered <laughs> vaginally. So there's other reasons why babies that are delivered by C-section might struggle to breastfeed or lose more weight than a baby who's born vaginally. But the um, IV fluids prior to delivery um, is one reason. But all in all, we found that, that babies who are delivered by C-section lose about 1% more on average than babies who um, are delivered by C-section. And that's actually for breastfed or formula-fed babies. 
Yeah, and I guess I would just say, because I've been saying this for as many years as I've been able to talk and teach, and that is the cesarean has already happened. As a nurse, as a parent, there's nothing I can necessarily do to change that. The question is, how do we, in fact, get those best practices, as you just mentioned, which is get the baby to breast early and often, get the mother comfortable, all those kinds of things. That is something that we do have some uh, control over and really need to focus on because, uh, as I like to say about the cesarean, you know, that ship has sailed. So what can we do now to optimize that breastfeeding experience? Hey, everybody, I hope that you are as intrigued with Dr. Paul's remarks as I am. Please don't go away. We will be right back after this short break. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. 
That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Marie Biancuzo. I'm here today with Dr. Ian Paul, and we are talking about the nomogram that he and his colleagues have created, how it's used, when it's used, its significance, and much more. I would just like to remind all of you that if you have had even a small inkling of getting your 90 hours of continuing education required to sit for the IBLCE exam, I will be giving my course in several cities live as well as an all online program. Please go to MarieBiancuzo.com for more information or feel free to call my office at 703-787-9894. So, Dr. Paul, this is all well and fine, but I want to know, how does the nomogram as it currently exists and the way in which you are interpreting it, how does that align with, I'm thinking of actually three different sources, uh, the Academy of, of, uh, the American Academy of Pediatrics, the uh, guidelines for perinatal care, and certainly the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine. Where does all this fit in now? Sure. So for the American Academy of Pediatrics and the Guidelines for Perinatal Care, which is published by uh, the American Academy of Pediatrics and the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, I think yep. future versions of guidelines for newborn care will inc- are going to be incorporating um, these nomograms or or newborn growth charts um, into into their recommendations because, frankly, the the uh, the expectations that the American Academy of Pediatrics were setting for both newborn weight loss and subsequent gain were not based on data and were misleading um, and um, could could lead a, a pediatrician to make a, a bad recommendation or a non-evidence-based recommendation about whether a baby should be supplemented with formula or not or have multiple visits to their pediatrician as an outpatient, which is what happens to a lot of uh, breastfed babies as they have yes. so many visits in the first several days after they go home. Um, and so I think that, that will update those. Um, the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine has already embraced um, our website and the nomograms that are on it um, by using um, a percentile on the nomogram, the 75th percentile for weight loss, as uh, a warning sign that breastfeeding may not be going well, so um, and to consider supplementation. Now, they didn't consult me as to whether the 75th percentile was right or not, but for me as a clinician, whether it's the 75th or the 90th percentile for weight loss, meaning they've lost more than 75 out of 100 or 90 out of 100 babies that are the same age and hours, it tells me we should go in and really check that mother and check the baby to make sure that the things we know to do to support breastfeeding are going well and we're not missing something. Yes. Um, It doesn't, for me, it's not a knee-jerk reaction that we need to supplement when a baby's losing more weight loss. But if a baby has lost 8 or 9% of their weight, and that's only around the 50th uh, percentile, depending on how old they are, 
that's a baby that maybe doesn't need so much help, whereas a baby who's at the 90th or 95th percentile when the baby's only 24 hours old, they may have only lost 6 or 7% of their weight, but that's the baby that needs to be prioritized for an evaluation. Oh, thank you, Dr. Paul, because all of a sudden I'm feeling justified for... Uh... <laughs> You know, I am not a card-carrying newborn nurse, but I have certainly worked more than my share of shifts in the newborn nursery. I'm pretty good, but I'm I'm not great. You know, I'm okay. Uh, and it always seemed to me like that 10% number didn't really mean a whole lot for some babies. And for other babies, I was worried before that. That's and- precisely the point. That's precisely the point. And so you, we're able to now intervene based on the information we have from, from the nomogram. We can intervene with data to support it earlier. And we don't have to sit there and wait for that baby to get beyond 10% if that's the, the, thresh, the threshold. But um, we can intervene earlier um, and give them the, those moms and babies the lactation support that they need. And we can also recognize when 10% might be okay. Right. Right. Uh, I had the great, great privilege of working with Dr. Ruth Lawrence for many years. And one of the things that she always said was, you have to look at the whole clinical picture. And I, I fully agree with that, Dr. Lawrence. Yeah, it, it was such valuable advice for me because, and she would also say, if all else is going well, if all, what, what, what kind of a situation do we have here? And uh, so I don't know. I would be the first one to say that one old nurse's observations do not a study make. But I would also say that it seemed to me like they were just pulling that 10% number out of the air. And as I hear you today, I'm thinking you're confirming that the 10% number was just anecdotal, right? That's right. It was anecdotal. And in fact, we know after C-sections, one in four babies who were delivered by C-section who is exclusively breastfed will lose more than 10% of their weight. So if one in four that's happening to, it can't necessarily be a problem. Now, it could, it could be a problem, but it doesn't mean uh, that most of the time it's going to be a problem. Most sure. of the time it's going to be okay. So help us to understand this then. When, when you say that the, the baby of the cesarean mother has had a 10% weight loss. Are you talking in that first three days in the hospital? Yeah. So, yeah. So, by the, the, they usually, within 72 hours, one in four babies that were delivered by okay. C section will lose 10% of their weight from birth. That's kind of what I thought you were saying. But yeah. I, I am also hearing you say that that baby does not necessarily need to be supplemented with formula. Did I read that right? That is correct. They don't necessarily need to be supplemented with formula. What they should have is a careful observation by a clinician, um, whether it's a physician, a nurse, a lactation consultant, to make sure that the mom's feeding the baby as they should, eight to 12 times per day, um, that the mother's milk is starting to feel signs that her milk is coming in, that the baby is transferring uh, milk, that the baby is waking to feed, all of those sorts of things that we, we know um, uh, are suggestive of uh, a good outcome. Yeah, and I just can't help but put in my pet peeve here, which is uh, 
so many times we think that just because this, the baby has his mouth on the breast and just because he's making his jaws go up and down, that does not mean that he is having milk transfer. So a lot of this has to do with somebody having a good observation, as you just pointed out. And that doesn't mean a hallway, you know, observation. It means going there and really looking and seeing what's really happening. Um, How do parents react to this nomogram? Do they like it? Do they think it's too complicated? Are they relieved? How does that work? Yeah, sure. So um, that's a good question. So as I mentioned to you, you know, this was really designed for um, a clinician to clinicians to use first. But it's like any growth chart that a clinician has to explain to parents. So if it's explained in terms that um, are easy to understand, parents do respond really well to it. If a mom is worried about her, her baby's losing weight, that, oh, my baby has lost 6% of their weight since birth, then I explain to them, well, at your baby's age in, in hours, if you're at your baby's age, your baby has lost the same amount of weight as average for for babies that 50% will lose more, 50% will lose less. And I show it to them on the chart. They tend to be very reassured by that. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And, uh, and on the other hand, when their baby has lost more than 90 or 95%, and I explain to them, and I say, this is why I'm concerned, and this is what we're going to do to to um, react to, to this information I think they they understand that as well uh, that that also um, and um, it, it helps me explain why we need to intervene or why they shouldn't go home a day early uh, from the hospital why I want them to stay in the hospital a little bit longer to work on breastfeeding. Yeah, see, to me, if I were the parent in that situation, I would be trusting you more rather than just oh, Dr. Paul just pulled this 10% thing out of the air and he's now he wants to supplement my baby with formula. No, thanks. And, you know, honestly, some of them really do need to be supplemented with formula or they need to have the, mil- the mother's milk pumped and given in some other way. But it, it always feels like it's a little bit like out of nowhere and you make it sound much more logical. Well, I, I think we're using... Real data from real babies, uh, uh, 160,000 plus babies to justify some of the decisions that before we just had to rely on feel. Okay. And how uh, I'm sort of familiar with Hershey Medical Center. I did a lecture there years ago. And of course, I passed by there quite a bit. But anyway, uh, do you teach medical students there? Sure. And is this part of, how did they receive this? Uh, do they feel like this is easy to learn? What's their reaction? Sure. So, so our residents and uh, medical students have incorporated this into their daily care for every baby that they, they see. And as you might imagine, um, I kind of have a, kind of had a hands-off approach to it because <laughs> you, you don't want to be the person that's pushing your own research down other people's throats. So right. they knew that this was created. Um, my colleagues here that I, that I work with, like most pediatricians and lactation consultants that, that um, I think have, have gotten used to uh, this information and this tool, they liked it on their own. I didn't really have to um, force it on anybody. Um, and they 
uh, them by themselves, they made this part of their daily care without uh, because they found the information so useful. Wow. That is a real testament to, first of all, your integrity and your sensitivity to new learners, but also a credit to the tool. Woohoo! All right. Hey, everybody, don't go away. I'm Marie Biancuso. I will be right back with Dr. Ian Paul right after this break. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I am here today with Dr. Ian Paul. And we are talking about this nomogram as related to baby's weight loss and the fact that uh, all of us who have been worrying about the 10% weight loss 
that really might be something worth worrying about. But 10% has been apparently more arbitrary and apparently more anecdotal than any of us realized. I know that when I was young, I really took it for gospel truth. And somewhere along the line, I realized that maybe that wasn't so hot. But I think what's happened here is that Dr. Paul and his colleagues have really proven that 10% is not necessarily the only number or the only, as as Dr. Lawrence always reminded me, it's just one data point. And so I think that we really need to take that to heart. So Dr. Paul, I know that you looked at literally thousands of babies. Were these all 37 weeks or more, meaning at full term, or did you look at other infants as well? Yeah, the data uh, set that we had of the 160,000 plus babies was 36, gesta- 36 weeks gestation and up. So um, re- the, the term and a little bit late preterm um, yep. babies that we had there. Do you think that it would, so was there a difference between, could you tell uh, the, the difference between the 36-weekers and the 37-weekers? So we looked at 30, even 36-weekers up to 41, 42-weekers. In terms of weight loss, to our surprise, they lost the same uh, percent of their birth weight, um, meaning that even though we sometimes think that the babies that are born um, earlier aren't as good feeders, at least in terms of what percent of their birth weight that they lose, it was similar across the different gestational ages. Huh. Okay, I believe what you're saying, but wouldn't you have thought that it would have been different? We did. So we, 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 <laughs> and we also thought that maybe, you know, those babies who were, you know, born a little bit smaller might be a little bit wimpier on their feeding. Yeah, or yeah, there's, lots yeah. of, there's lots of anecdotes in terms of race and ethnicity and even um, the baby's sex on how they're going to feed. And um, that I've heard those anecdotes before. And in this large data set, which was very diverse, it didn't pan out that way. Wow. Well, you could knock me over with a feather because I would have thought that one of those factors would be, uh, as you say, those 36-weekers are most definitely more wimpy. I'm, I'm a little surprised. Uh, the other we, were, thing, we were too. <laughs> okay, we'll take we it. Uh, it also seems to me that since I've been a young nurse, and that was a while ago, it seems to me that there were people that thought that the, the professionals that thought that the baby should get back to his uh, birth weight by seven days. Some people said, no, 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 it's two weeks. Some people, uh, Dr. Lawrence always told me she thought it was probably closer to three weeks. She also helped me to be vigilant, not panicked. You know, you do watch what's going on. But from what you have learned with these studies, um, what's the latest word? So we we looked at how these babies grew over uh, the whole first month and how their their weight changed. And for uh, after a vaginal delivery, the the average time it took for babies to get to surpass their birth weight was nine days. After a C-section, the average time it took for babies to get back to their birth weight was 10 days. But even 
a couple, even two weeks after or three weeks after, there were still a fair number of babies that had not gotten back to their birth weight. So at three weeks, 5% of vaginally delivered babies weren't back to their birth weight. And for a C-section, 8% or 1 in 12 babies still weren't back to their birth weight by, by three weeks. So really... You know, it, again, it's, it's being, using this tool to see whether they're growing on their line on the chart really can help inform you, whereas before you, you really had um, not good evidence to uh, suggest whether this baby was growing at the right rate for, for itself or not. So help me to understand this then. Even if the baby takes three weeks... I'm sure that you would look at all of those other factors, but you're saying that is not necessarily cause for alarm. It is not necessarily cause for formula supplementation. N- not necessarily. So if, there, if this baby is just steadily growing along their line on the chart, um, and you have several data points to see that they're gaining steadily where they were meant to be uh, on the growth chart, they, they don't necessarily need formula. Now, some may. Um, sure. <clears throat> some may, but it, it's, it, again, we're providing some evidence and some data to support our practice rather than what had been done in the past, which is just based up, mostly based off feel and experience um, rather than hard data. Wow. All right. So then it seems to me that you're saying, this is what I call the baby is going in the right direction. That's right. Meaning, okay. When I see a baby that has not gained his, uh, regained his birth weight, not surpassed his birth weight, but he is making good milk transfer. Mother has enough milk. Life is all good. There's no funky thing that's uh, that I should be concerned with. To me, if he's going in the right direction, he does not need formula supplementation. And I've had more than one discussion with pediatricians who think that he does. And I sort of have to respect that because I'm just the nurse, you know. But it feels to me like it's a bigger picture. And you're saying, yes, it is a bigger picture. Well, I think most... Um uh, pediatricians, when presented with the the, um, the chart, would if if it's the child you're telling me about, they they may be reassured by it, okay, and, and may be willing to give that mom and baby a little bit longer before supplementing. Yeah, well, see, in my day, we obviously didn't have the uh, nomogram, and I think what you're saying is that visual is so powerful. Gee, I looked at what you uh, have available here, and. Uh, I was just thinking, this is really pretty cool that you can look at this, and it just makes a lot of sense. Well, and pediatricians are used to looking at growth chart data and, and looking at That's... how children are growing on growth charts. So this gives them something for the first month that can tell them what they're used to looking at for older children. Okay, so where does all of this, how many bowel movements the baby has, how does that fit in? Yeah, as you said, you know, you got to look at as with Dr. Lawrence said, you got to look at the whole baby, and so, uh, but we we know that that babies have variable amounts of wet diapers and dirty diapers, so I, I think it's it's going to be variable, and as long as they're going some, I'm not sure the number um, is that helpful um, for me, um, as long as I know that they're going every, you know, as as they're going normally. Okay, 
because you're, well, you now have the advantage of using that nomogram. Not to sound too negative here, but what percentage of pediatricians do you think are actually really using the nomogram? Yeah, I have no way to um, to to say. I know that uh, we're probably in the five years since the website has la- launched. It's been used in um, about a million babies, um, and uh, you know this is new, so there t- it takes some time for um, people to know about it and, and use it. But um, some major health systems um, have uh, incorporated it into their their daily electronic medical records, so it's plotted for, for babies routinely, and I think um, our, our, we have evidence to show that the uptake is increasing. I think once it's incorporated into the American Academy of Pediatrics guidelines, which I'm uh-huh. confident that it will be, I think then the, the use will really take off even more. But a yeah, million babies so far is not bad. Um, I have taught all over the U.S., and uh, I, I just got back from teaching, as a matter of fact, and had people from several different states. Nobody mentioned this. Uh, on the other hand, I was really eager to get you to talk about it, so <laughs> yeah. I did not want to uh, steal your thunder. But my suspicion would be that in the smaller hospitals, it will take a while to catch on, whereas uh, Kaiser Permanente, I know, is certainly all across the country. I would presume they are... Well, I don't know. Do you know? Yeah, I think used- I think uh, the, the folks in Kaiser, at least in California, are using it. I know that the um, um, many um, large academic centers um, are using it, and when academic centers use it, there's a a delayed effect because then those oh, yeah. those people that are trainees go out and use it in 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 their communities. Um, I, I suspect that um, over time, you're, you'll you'll find that um, more and more. Um, Places are are using it routinely, and as certain electronic medical records um, uh, are incorporated into their standard package, it will get used um, uh, even more. Yeah, yeah. There's always that trickle down effect, and that does take a little bit of time. Uh, hey, everybody, do not go away. Uh, we have only a little bit more time with Dr. Paul, so hang in there. We'll be right back after this short break. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 
What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash good donor. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894 and ask for your bulk discount. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I am here today with Dr. Ian Paul. Remember, if listening to the podcast isn't enough for you, I write a blog twice a week. Visit me at mariebiancuso.com slash blog. That is M-A-R-I-E-B-I-A-N-C-U-Z-Z-O dot com slash blog. Or you can just go over on the right-hand side and noodle around until you uh, see the, the button for the blog. Subscribe while you're there, if you would, please. So, Dr. Paul, I'm also a little intrigued that this does not appear to that the nomogram does not appear to be something that you're using just once a day it appears that you can or maybe do use it hourly how does that work yeah so well n- not exactly marie so um, okay if, if it's it's similar to what we do for newborn jaundice so um we have data by hour i certainly don't wouldn't recommend babies get weighed on an hourly basis, but um, just like we know that babies' jaundice will increase as they get older in the first couple of days, and by yeah. hour, there are different thresholds for treating that jaundice. Right. We did the same thing for weight loss, so you'll be able to see on this chart by hour what the normal amount of, and not normal, amount of weight loss is. Um, 
So it kind of, because uh, there's a, mo- it's a moving target, um, what the <laughs> threshold would be to be concerned, just like there is for, for newborn jaundice. Okay, so now I'm understanding it a little bit differently. You're not saying we do these multiple weights during a day. You're saying whatever time the baby gets weighed. Then That's correct. The, at That's that time, if that baby is 8 hours or 12 hours or whatever he is, you compare him to other babies at that, at that time. That's exactly right. Okay, okay, I, I totally get it now. Because uh, a, 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 a baby that's 25 hours old is much different than a baby that's 47 hours old. They're only one day old, right? But, right. but there's a big difference in just like we'd, the, the, what we'd expect for their jaundice would be the different jaundice. between 25 and 47 hours. What we'd expect yeah. for their weight loss would be different at 25 and 47 hours. Yeah, and we're not measuring that baby's billy every five minutes. We're we're looking at it as where he is at that moment. Right. So, and, and, that, yeah, and as you know, most babies get weighed in most hospitals over uh, on the night shift um, yep. when things are are less active. But that baby at midnight is going to be based on the time they were born is obviously going to be a different age in hours, and this will allow us to know how that baby's weight is based on how old they are in hours, whether their weight loss is okay or not okay. And see, you bring up another important point, too. Let's say that we weigh the babies, all the babies in the nursery at 5 a.m., okay? that If that baby was just born at 1 a.m., then weighing him at 5 a.m., that's different than the kid that's almost 24 hours old, you know? That's exactly that's exact, and the same thing the next day when you know right. the, the baby's the baby's twenty eight hours old versus almost two days old. It's going to be a very different, um, a, a very different expectation for what is normal. And so the 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 chart that we have in the nomogram really um, differentiates that for you visually, so you can tell um, where that baby should or shouldn't be. Yeah, that to me makes a lot of sense because saying that the baby is one day old. I've worked in hospitals where that meant one thing and other hospitals where that meant a different thing. But I always kind of want to know, oh, wait a minute. I don't know that day is really the question here. It's really about the hours. So the nomogram takes care of that. And that is just such a really, really smart thing. Okay, so I'm going to reread what I told people at the beginning when we first started talking. And pardon me while I shuffle my papers here. But for those of you... For those of you who are looking for this link, and it is not an app. I at first was looking for an app. I was totally in the wrong direction here. Uh, It is a link, and it is www.newbornweight.org. I will repeat that. It's www.newbornweight.org. And there you will be able to see what it is that uh, Dr. Paul is talking about. Uh, Other things that parents or providers should know, Dr. Paul. Well, just for for anybody who's listening to this, you can bookmark it onto the the face page of your your smartphone, and it functions just like an app when you you do it that way. Um, And uh, the the charts are printable, um, so you can... uh, uh, print it and either and share it with um, your your patient if you're a provider or if you're a parent you can print it and share it with your pediatrician. Um, so um, 
it's, I think it's easy to use. It takes a little bit, um, little bit of practice to use it a couple times to figure out how it works, but um, easy to use, and we hope uh, we help moms and babies. Well, I think what you've done is just absolutely fabulous. Uh, my question is, what is your next step along the way? Clearly, you are a very accomplished researcher. I noticed that you have partnered with uh, somebody like Valerie Flairman, who is really, uh, well, I recognize her name, so. Uh, she has been somebody who has been uh, very much into this. What's what's your next project here? Do you know? Yeah, so Va- Valerie was my partner uh, on this research to to build the the website, um, and uh, you know she's a very talented uh, pediatrician and researcher. Um, for for this, you know, we're we're interested in seeing how people use it and um, whether it hope it can reduce unnecessary supplementation or change the threshold that people use to, to supplement um, babies. Uh, my other real area, as you mentioned at the beginning, is for obesity prevention. And uh, cer- certainly many people believe that, that um, uh, exclusive breastfeeding can be protective um, uh, against obesity. So um, with the obesity epidemic we have here in the United States and across the globe, that's really um, the focus of a lot of what I'm trying to do with my research. That reminds me, that was one question I did not ask you, which was, how does the weight loss for breastfed babies compare to the weight loss for formula-fed babies? Breastfed babies lose more weight initially um, than formula-fed babies, and that that makes sense because the the supply of uh, formula initially is really unlimited, um, whereas for for breast milk, it's not. So um, the first few days... uh, formula-fed babies lose less and they get back to their birth weight uh, much quicker. Um, but that, that's not to say that, that um, the pattern for, in fact, I would say the pattern for, for breastfed babies is what should be considered normal. Normal. Right. That's what I was thinking. And by the way, I would just like to remind everyone, this program is, as always, for information only, it is not for giving medical advice. Dr. Paul is not giving medical advice. I'm not giving medical advice. Uh, we would really urge you to work with your pediatrician or your primary care provider. But to be an informed consumer uh, of your uh, of your child's health, or if you are a provider, and we seem to have both parents and providers listening to this, uh, that you recognize that this tool is out there uh, and to be considered with all of the other factors. Weight loss is an important data point. It is not the only data point. Uh, But that's all the time we have for today. And I would just like to uh, thank Dr. Paul for being with me uh, today. Thank you, Dr. Ian Paul, for all of your information. Thank you so much. Thank you, Marie. And for all of you who are listening, don't worry. I will have another episode next week. And in the meanwhile, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuso next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby.